0: morning everybody welcome to another episode of op radio i'm your host mac i'm a content strategist at op labs i have a very special guest here today a very interesting person a fellow optimist and a colleague at op labs the wonderful maddie good morning maddie how are you today
1: good morning all right i'm gonna switch my twitter bio to that like maybe it's julius caesar style that it's colleague interesting person and there's an optimist good morning how are you
0: I'm I'm doing really well thank you we're off to a, a great start on this fine Wednesday yeah I think we can even do better than that Maddie if you want to enlist my aid with the Twitter bios maybe this could be a side hustle of mine I think I'm pretty good at it Maybe we could get ChatGPT to, to help out, too.
1: I like it. So, like, generate four different versions or even 10 different versions, then Mac optimizes it, and then we'll measure conversion, and I don't know, it sounds like there's a token in there somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. We're Wow, we are really going to get the best possible Twitter bio after this call. I love it. Okay, so... Maddie, we're going to talk about a number of things today. We're going to talk about your experience at ETH Lisbon and the hackathon there. I'm super excited to hear about your experience in Portugal. But before we get into that, I just want to hear about you and your background because you have a really interesting one. So can you tell the folks here today who you are and what you were doing before you joined OP Labs? Thank you.
1: So hi, everybody. My name is Maddie. I'm the head of developer relations for OP Labs joined in about January, and it's been an incredible, incredible ride so far. And so my background before this, the quick about me, is that I worked in the video game industry for 13 years, and that was the paid professional time. I was actually got my started before that, where I start, learned online community management, hosting some of the very first esports tournaments. I hosted tournaments for Super Smash Brothers Melee, for the Nintendo GameCube before Twitch, before Twitter, embarrassingly before most social media. And I realized really quickly that I wasn't going to win very many of these tournaments, but boy, I could host them. And then at the time, I thought I wanted to be a novelist. I had a job as a copywriter, realized I was way better at hosting tournaments than I was at writing novels or at least enjoyed it way more, found out that they will pay you real fiat dollars out in the San Francisco Bay Area to get people to like each other on the internet. So moved out here in about 2010, got a job as a community manager in the game industry, rose up through the ranks until uh, I decided, you know what, I actually just want to run my own game studio. So it felt like I had learned what I wanted to learn in the community space and uh, quit my job, started a company with a really good friend of mine from those esports days who also was in the video game industry. And freaking did it like it was one of the most important stretches of my life where we started the company, we raised $10 million in venture capital, we hired people from Riot and Blizzard and uh, all of these AAA studios to launch a competitor to uh, that game from long, long ago, which at that point was old enough to drive, this point is now old enough to drink and still going. And uh, gosh, nothing helps you learn pitching faster than trying to convince people to give you money and also trying to convince people to join your company. So at some point, we can talk about that. You'll notice that Nintendo is still there. We did ship the product. It's my favorite game ever, but unfortunately, it didn't have product market fit. So wound down the company that helped folks get jobs at places like Minecraft and God of War. And uh, that would have been the time, the reason I mentioned this here, is because that was in 2018. And that was the last time that I could have ended up in crypto. And... uh, I remember sitting around a table with a a really good friend of mine that worked for a company called Purse. And uh, I was asking folks there, like, so it's over, right? So like the the prices are down. I heard Bitcoin is dead. Like, certainly y'all are pretty bummed about this. And everybody around the table said, nah, we're buying more. It's done this before. We're excited. We're going to keep on building. And I remembered that. Well, I'll get to that in a moment, but there was no way that I was going to join crypto in 2018 after having wound down my company. Now, I always felt like I had like missed something, but had the really good fortune that I ended up at a metaverse company called Manicore Games, and we were making an Unreal Engine powered publishing platform. And this being crypto and Web three adjacent, that meant a couple of years later. I had permission to tumble down the rabbit hole. That gets us to about 2021 when I started digging into it, joined a community that means the world to me called Boys Club, which is a women in crypto community. And between that and manicore, I was just done for. I was obsessed. I was every cliche you could think of, lying in bed, eyes bolting open, realizing, wait, if this is true, then that is true and everything changes. And knew I had to get myself to a layer one. Or a layer two. Started talking around. That's where Christiana from OP Labs found me. And I am so, so glad that she did because, oh my God, as soon as I started interviewing here, everyone here's a freaking nerd and uh, enjoys wandering down rabbit holes just for fun. And I knew it was exactly where I wanted to be. And so here we are.
0: I know the feeling. I love here. I love, I agree. Everybody here's a nerd. I would say they're really cool nerds though, um, mm-hmm. with that caveat. Okay, so so much great stuff to dive into there. I want to briefly mention, speaking of being too young to drink and drive, I vividly remember at, at one point as a youth that I wanted to create video games. Uh-huh. And I mean, I really age myself here. I had no idea how to, how to do that. And I think that's why I never really did it. This was back when kind of mobile phones were just coming online. Mm-hmm. So that's all we have. We have a couple common points of interest, Maddie. One being video games. Another is that I was also well. I am a writer, and I worked as a copywriter. So, yeah. just some interesting crossover there. But how cool that you actually followed your muse there and worked in the video game industry. I love that. That's I'm envious.
1: And there's probably a future chat we can do as well, or like some some write ups around. I I have complicated feelings about for whom is making games the right career choice. It was absolutely right for me. Like I was obsessed, but also you have to be okay with your hobby becoming a job. Like a job is a job no matter how much you enjoy it. And uh, the risk of the game industry, and you kind of see this in Web3 also, is it's so competitive that you have to make it 10x a job. Like you have to really obsess over it to break in. The cool thing is, and it's for better or worse, once you do break in, getting the second job is much easier than getting the first job, kind of the same as web three like we tend to over index on the cliche of must have seven years of solidity experience, and then you flag like, has solidity been around that long, but that's another conversation for another day. though so I am alarmed that you might have been a youth when mobile gaming was coming up, <laughs> we might. might have some difference of growing up
0: there. Yeah, I tend to pull younger is what I've been told. Although someone recently, I like to play the age game, and someone grossly over-exaggerated my age. So maybe, you know, those sleepless nights have been catching up to me lately.
1: (laughs) I have a related Maddie fun fact, which is I was paid for a whole summer to guess people's height, age, and weight because I was a carny at Six Flags. It was one of my first jobs. And there were two of the games, like I was running the games that you go through, the like Midway Alley type place there. Six Flags is a theme park for anybody that doesn't know. It's like Disney World, but not Disney World. And there were two games that they liked to stick me on. One was a any racing game where I would be on a microphone and I had to narrate the going on and get people in there. That's where I first learned like salesy stuff. And then the other one, I don't know why they kept on putting me at the place where people would, (laughs) I would have to guess how tall or how much they weighed or how old they were. And I was bad at it. I did it for a whole summer. I lost every single one because it turns out it's kind of hard.
0: So I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I might, this might've been a good job for me. I feel like Mm -hmm. I can, I'm usually within, I I think if you get within one year of the age and about five pounds, I'm going to call that a hit
1: yes um, and that would be, a
0: hit. be able to be able Two to years get it. in
1: the age and five and the pounds is what you had to be in
0: okay yeah okay so so look yeah i was even using the right metric already mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome so much good stuff and i wanted to say quickly before we move on to east lisbon and your time there boys club crypto why are they so cool and can <laughs> i join they had the best fit the best swag at east denver that's like top and bottom black sweatsuit. And it just made me want to join. Oh
1: my gosh. I'm, I'm grinning ear to ear because this community means so, so much to me. I am still asking myself the first question. And so really, I just try to model myself after them as much as I can. <laughs> and it's fun. So uh, the if I were to English major style break down the coolness, it is a self-referential ironic coolness, that it is being willing to dig at oneself while also being very willing to express coolness, like trying to have a cool party, but then it has this kind of chaotic energy that has been fun in crypto. And you see that in the merchandise. So that actually, you see it in the name itself, where when I first joined, I had complicated feelings about the name and gave them the feedback like, do we really want to be boys club? Would you like to do like something else? Like, and then now I just love it, where it's this subversive, like everybody gets it when they hear the name. But then the second one is absolutely yes. It is open to everybody. There is an application form for the the reason there's an application form. And this is something we we're trying to adopt to the developer community in uh, optimism is that it's not to exclude people, but rather it is to filter for people who have done some work who really want to be there. Everybody is welcome to be in the broad sphere and like on Twitter and follow and interact. But then if you want to be in the discord in the more private communities, asking people to put a little bit of work forward to show why they're excited. Those are the people you want to be around. And that's what it selects for. So I'll send you the form.
0: Love it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to apply. And whoever's doing like the branding and the comms marketing at Boys Club, keep it up. Shout out to you. You're doing a great job. I think the, the hoodie that I was describing said DeFi Daddy, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. I thought, it was, I thought it was great. Okay, so let's transition here into Lisbon and Portugal and the hackathon. Maddie, was this your first time going to Portugal? It was. This was a
1: couple of firsts for me. It was my first time in Europe as a grown up. Like I had gone in high school with my family, but I had not been there. Post to uh, drinking age, post being myself, being by myself. But then it was my first time at an ETH global event. It was my first time in Portugal, and uh, yeah, first time really focused on a crypto focused hackathon as opposed to attending. Like I went to MCon last year in Denver. I went to Eat Denver this year, also in Denver. But those have a lot of different things going on. So yeah, a couple of firsts there.
0: So I'd love to just hear your first impressions of the place. There seems to be sort of a critical mass accumulating there with Mm -hmm. digital nomads and a lot of people in the crypto space. But what were your impressions just of the the city and, and the people in the country overall?
1: Really beautiful, really friendly. I really enjoyed the... It's the only language that I have come... I don't know a ton of languages. I grew up in Texas, learned Spanish in high school, but it didn't take. But it's the only language that I've come across that I that genders based on the speaker, which I thought was really interesting. So, Obrador versus Obrador.
0: That always throws me for a loop, mm-hmm. because in Spanish, the subject is the gender, but in right. Portuguese, it's the opposite, the speaker.
1: And apparently it kind of is on the way out that if you just always you use O, like that's always correct but but it was fun like people are super friendly that they're very willing to help you get to the right place answer questions and use the right pronunciation of things the layout of the city reminded me a lot of san francisco but like in italy where There's a little bit more hilliness to it, even than in San Francisco. But the, and a little bit more, it feels more like it is a city that grew up over a couple hundred to a thousand years versus San Francisco, which does not. But it definitely threw me off when I would be in a car going through it. And then I see the Golden Gate Bridge, giant red bridge across a bay, looks exactly like the Golden Gate Bridge. And it was just kind of disorienting, but also felt like home.
0: Yeah, we you were, Super you were spot with on with, oh sorry Maddie. I was just going to say you were spot on with that comparison and I hadn't thought of that before because not only is there that bridge but did you go to this cable car? They got there? They have a cable car?
1: I didn't see a cable there's
0: a, car. There's a cable car and I forget the name of this thing and there's everybody at night too. There's some bars around there and yeah, so I think you're spot on if we're going to compare Lisbon to any American city it would definitely be mm-hmm. San Francisco.
1: And I see Tony's in the office, in the audience, which needs a huge shout out. She coordinated everything for the trip, including the team dinners. And something I didn't really know how to expect was like, if I would feel like I got Lisbon because I was working, like there's, there's a lot to do when you do do these events. And so like, you know, I'm not really making time to go to museums or like tourist sites or anything to see some cool stuff, but I feel like I really got it and had a fantastic time, in part because of Tony's amazing planning and because the the restaurants that we went to, the scenes and vistas that we saw just really, really incredible, also including like the coffee shops and things that we worked out of. They were in like slightly different places each time. This goes to Eat Global's site selection also. So this is kind of how I want to travel is I kind of, I just want to go to a foreign city and then set up in a coffee shop with a latte and then try to take the right, be, re- be real photos.
0: Yes. Yes. Shout out, Tony. I can vouch for Tony as well. She does such an incredible job planning these things. And Maddie, you, you anticipated my next question. Mm-hmm. I got to ask I knew you were very busy with, with the, the, East global event and the hackathon, but you had to eat. So can you just tell me before we move on what was your favorite thing you ate while you were in Lisbon?
1: Ooh, I think I have uh, two answers. Well, the first one that came to mind was actually a bowl of pho and that is very silly. Like I went to I went to Portugal and the best thing was pho, which is not Portuguese food, but it was incredible. It was just the best noodles and broth that I have ever had. Uh, we went with the whole team. Gosh, it was pretty early in the trip. I think Tony picked the spot. We actually had two spots that night because we weren't sure when we were going to be able to be there. And this is the one that worked out. And I am at a loss for words for how good this um, I'll see if I can find the name of the place so that we can share it out for anybody that's there.
0: I'm kind of, I'm laughing to myself over here because when I was in Lisbon, I was also really just craving Asian food and I mm-hmm. found a lot of good soup there, including a, a really good bowl of vodka. So, I love that answer.
1: Okay, and then the breakfast um, was also really good. It was a little disorienting because of being in Europe, like, there's more beans in breakfast than I'm accustomed to, even being from Texas, but... Grew to, grew to like it
0: yeah the, well the port that might be like the english influence i don't mm-hmm. the, the portuguese they'll usually do like a, a piece of bread and some cheese maybe mm-hmm. a little, some slices of meat but they're not they're not huge on the breakfast usually an espresso from what i saw mm-hmm. a little different from americans i think we're accustomed to having like this big american breakfast with pancakes and eggs and bacon mm-hmm. and all that okay great so moving on I think before we talk about the the hackathon and the event, Maddie, I was I was hoping you could just give us a description in your own words of what you how would how would you describe developer relations, DevRel, your role?
1: Yeah. So my favorite way to describe it is: it is my job to hand people Rubik's cubes, and then just walk away slowly (laughs) while they start solving it where the goal is to get people building things and to put really interesting problems in front of them and then what starts happening is if you have a room full of people and you've handed each of them a rubik's cube that they cannot ignore like it is easier for them to solve it than to leave it there unsolved they feel like it was made for them Then you have this room of people that are solving these cubes together. They see that everybody is solving these cubes together and they start helping one another. They start like comparing the different cubes. They start figuring out the different algorithms. And so suddenly you have this space of uh, people solving difficult or interesting problems because they like solving those problems. Then you start getting posts about it. You start getting content and then it starts expanding past just that room where more and more people are bringing others like them to be solving these problems fundamentally that's all of it like tactically you can talk about the marketing and the different spots in the funnel and gosh we absolutely do because you want more people at the top you want more people at the bottom you want better tools you want better ways to get people doing more things but fundamentally it is taking an interesting problem putting it in front of a person saying here this is this is yours. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to solve this? And then they have so much fun doing so.
0: I love that metaphor. Just let their their curiosity take them where where it will. Yeah. Um, so I can
1: I can riff on that metaphor. a bit more too. Yeah. Where the a, a thing that a lot of people get wrong about community and the developer relations is community management with much better ROI metrics. You are building a community of people who are driving a bottom line. That is awesome. But a thing that people tend to get wrong about community is they skip to the bottom line. They think that people want to do things for money. And money is important. Money matters. Money changes lives. But it's an end step. It's the third thing that people care about when they're building something. The first two things, so the third thing is money. But the first thing is love. And they do something because they love it. They do it on weekends. They do it as a side project. They they play video games or they hang out with friends or like in my case, they host tournaments. Once they have the love need satisfied, they move into fame. And then you do want to start to be like known for being good at a thing. When we were hosting tournaments, it wasn't, about, it wasn't about winning the tournament. It wasn't about like nailing your tech skill. It was about getting together and finding out who is the best and so then the third thing is money so you go love you go fame you go money and you kind of can't skip this skip a step you need to be solving each one of those in order so you see this with platforms where if you start if you skip the first two and the only thing you're focused on is money then the retention is not there people are not going to stick to it but then the cool thing about crypto the cool thing about web3 And what has me really excited about things like retro PGF is you're able to collapse those steps to be much more, it can be much faster, and you can actually get to where you're satisfying each of them almost at the same time, that it's almost like a strobe light. So that got pretty conceptual, but if you just remember love, fame, money, all three are important, but you need to go through them in sequence. That is the fundamental nature of community building.
0: I absolutely love that description, and I've drawn on my notepad here a little Maslow's hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs pyramid with love, fame, and money. And I'm not going to lie; it looks like it might, it, it could contend for the next boys' club flag drop. I think That's, it's at least a contender.
1: Ooh, I like. We should post a photo of that.
0: Yeah, we mm-hmm. should we should float it by them. Okay, so using this metaphor, Maddie. What Rubik's Cube were you presenting to people in Lisbon?
1: Ideas. And so shout out to Kelvin, who is really driving a lot of this forward. But also it's a team-wide thing where when I first joined Optimism, this was the first Rubik's Cube that was put in front of me. And I really glommed onto it. Where in Web3, it's an unusual spot where we have more founders then we do ideas. And in the startup world, it's flipped on that where there are so many SaaS products and there are so many ideas and really the main filter that happens is how do you find the right founders. And that's still true to some degree, but in Web3, because it's all so new and because the population is so small, that means that the bottleneck ends up being how do you connect with somebody that is holding up a sign Saying, I want to build something. I want to dedicate my precious time to making a thing and move them towards the most impactful projects. So an optimism, our motto is impact equals profit. You need to work on both sides of that and really you need to work on the equal sign as well. And uh, the question then becomes, how do you help people increase their impact? And uh, in my case, in the DevRel team's case and what we're building, the atomic unit of impact is an idea. Now you've probably heard the term ideas are cheap and that is true. Like we can, in in my first two weeks here, I think we generated about a hundred of them and it was a ton of fun, but the being able to build out an idea and make it capable of nerd sniping a builder who is able to build it and excited about building it takes a bit more work. And this ends up being where we do a lot of, put a lot of our attention where we have the ideas list is what we call it. It's at optimism.io slash ideas. You're going to need to follow a quick redirect link once you go there, but just click the link. You'll find it. And also we're working on a new homepage for it. We go to optimism.io slash ideas. And this is where we're collecting ideas and specs for things that people have said they really wish existed that if you build it, your odds of impacting the optimism community and growing it are higher. Now, I have to be careful because I, I cannot guarantee RetroPGF funding, etc., 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 but what I can say is that this is a very curated list of very interesting and impactful Rubik's Cubes that people can focus on. So in Lisbon, we were putting this to the test. We've been putting it out there, we've been marketing it, and uh, it actually worked where we had a, a, well, I can come back to that when we're talking about the prize winners, but another example of where this illustration of how we can put things in front of people that are really interesting are we started building a social graph of all the hackers, giving them attestations and building an identity layer at the hackathon. So I touched on a couple things there. What What is the most interesting rabbit hole for us to go down through that?
0: Well, I have, I wrote a note here while you were speaking and because I was going to say, yeah, we there's this cliche that ideas are cheap, you know, ideas are a diamond dust. But what what I liked about what you said is that it sounds like not all ideas are created equal, right? So there's a difference right. between you know any given idea and one that's been really well thought out and thought through. And it sounds like this ideas list are the the quality of these ideas is a lot higher.
1: Right. And the support and the follow through. And uh, I have a quick aside where Mac. I think you watch sports. Am I wrong on that?
0: Actually, I don't. I'm not a sports mm-hmm. baller. Um, are Completely. you familiar with? Are you ready? Right Moneyball. Yes, yes. That's the, the, where they brought like the statistician onto the baseball team, right? And he improved the right. he improved the team using mm-hmm. his his nerd skills.
1: Right, and there's something very specific that he did, and it's an interesting. It, it is interesting to look at now in how it's wrong and how it used to be right because something else was wrong. And so I watch a lot of sports. I'm from Texas. I root for every Dallas team. Yes, that includes the Dallas Cowboys and I will not apologize for it. But something that I always really liked about this is for the Oakland A's, the manager realized that the market inefficiency was on base percentage. On-base percentage means that you are getting on base no matter what, <laughs> Like it does, but it doesn't matter how. So you might be getting on base by hitting the ball, but you also might get on base by walking. And at the time, the baseball community really undervalued walks. So they found out that simply by looking at players for not just that do they bat 300, which would be good, but do they get on base by walking a lot... They were able to snap up players on the cheap and build out a very good roster. Now, the thing that happens in a PvP market, and you see this all the time in Web3 as well, is eventually word gets out. The market inefficiency changes. So these days, if you're trying to, you find yourself general manager of a professional baseball team and you're trying to build it up by jumping on all of the players with a great on base percentage, you're just in the middle of the pack, and in fact, you might be overvaluing them because that has changed. For a while, it was good to be valuing international players because they were undervalued, and so this is constantly shifting.
0: How does it's like, see um, this? It's, like a, it's like he discovered like a market inefficiency almost, right. where these managers, everybody wants the the player that can hit these home runs, but really at the end of the day, if you're getting on base, you're you're gonna you're gonna score points, right? Exactly.
1: And the reason I bring it up here is because the moment everybody is talking about a thing as though it's definitely true, that's when it's good to see if there's a different spot that you might be able to apply pressure. So that's how I think about ideas right now. It is a truth universally acknowledged that ideas are cheap. But also I'm at, I'm at the hackathons. Like we see people building things. We know there are higher impact things that we can be sending people to, and so what if that truth is not true anymore? What if while everybody else is focused on simply trying to go for sheer excuse me, sheer number of uh, say developers or like AAA gaming studios, etc what if the place where we can be the most different and the most impactful is the idea, is the nerd sniping, is the Rubik's Cube. And so that's what we're doing. We want Optimism to be the place where if you come hack here, you will work on the most interesting things at the frontier of Web3 and the and the new internet. And by doing so, also, you can get rewarded for it. That's where RetroPGF comes in. That's where the community comes in. Yeah, and that's how we're trying to approach these hackathons.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. And what a great metaphor to bring to bear here. So, Maddie, I wonder if you could share what the different bounties were for this hackathon.
1: We had three bounties. And this is something too that we're trying to update our thinking for it each time. And for this one, we wanted to do an identity focused bounty for building identity products that uses attestation station that sends something called attestations that I'll circle back to in a moment, but builds up an identity layer on optimism mainnet that can lead to people being too able to express themselves in different composable ways. We also had a bounty for hacking the OP stack. And this is one we've tried a couple ways now. And the goal there was taking OP stack, which is the tech that runs Optimism. Like it is moving to Optimism mainnet in June, which is very exciting. More on that with the date approaching, but it is a modular open source free tech stack. That means that you can take a rollup that you can be building a layer to and then swap out different parts of it. You can modify it. You can, one person took it and, stuck a Game Boy in the execution layer. Another team had a roll-up on top of Bitcoin. They were using Bitcoin for the data layer. Another team built Minecraft, where every move and block that you place was a transaction as though it was its own roll-up. And another team, and this is my last example for it, took that and then made a hardware wallet on the iPhone Secure Enclave that they were able to do because of the the account abstraction availability that they were able to use because of the modularity of the OP stack. So our team wants to find people who want to like get pop open the hood and see what they can break and then tell the world how they did it. And I think the interesting comparison that happened. Well, next up, Mac, please circle me back to. The difference between a virtual hackathon and an in person hackathon for what the results were for this. But that was bounty number two. Bounty number one was identity. Bounty number two was hack DOP stack. Bounty number three was everybody get in the pool. Water's fine. Come hang out. If you're shipping something, it is super easy to ship it on Optimism mainnet. So put it here. We want to hear about the product. And that is our top of the funnel get people in the door and hanging out at the party. So that one was just it. If you are building something, ship it on Optimism, either testnet or mainnet, come tell us about it. And this is consistently a fun serendipity machine where we get to see projects that we might not have been looking for.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that overview, Maddie. And you know, I think people are familiar by now that at Optimism, we have this very iterative and experimental approach to pretty much everything that we do. So, I would love to ask you, Maddie, what learnings, if any, did you glean from these bounties, and are you planning on maybe changing or modifying these in any way moving forward for future hackathons
1: Ooh, the fun the fun answer is the the answer to the second one will always be yes, and uh, that the idea like you you never get there right like the the idea is not that we get to a perfect hackathon. Because that would be like saying, yes, we have solved on base percentage. All we ever have to do again is care about on base percentage. But the goal is just, yeah, how do we how do we make it different or better? Or gosh, sometimes how do we make it worse, right? Like if we're only focused on making number go up, we leave other learnings on the table. I have a quick aside with a an example from Boys Club where we found that engagement the community improved substantially and uh, our applications went up um, on a per week basis when we started talking about how can we make the community smaller? When we started saying, how can we make the community smaller, tighter, and not add as many people as we can, all of the numbers we cared about went up, including the community size. And so an example of, of how that applies to this hackathon was we learned that OP Stack has some consistently has some of the most exciting projects. The Nerds Night potential is huge for it. However, a weekend is a very short amount of time in order to learn how to use it. And uh, compare that to the virtual hackathon scaling Ethereum we did right before this, where we got about 10x the number of entries that we did in Lisbon for hacking the OP Stack. And a big part of that is just it's a one-month-long hackathon. So we are looking at an in-between state for how do we feature OP. We, We know that the hackers that pay attention to the OP stack bounties are really high quality, really interesting, and work on great projects. But that 36 hours is probably too short an amount of time to do for that. And so we want to focus on like one week and scope it down to a specific Thing that we're asking them to do with the OP stack. And the cool thing is, it kind of worked. We kind of already iterated on this where we just wrapped up the Autonomous Worlds Hackathon, also run with ETH Global and Lattice, who made that Minecraft-style game that I was talking about earlier. For that one, Kelvin on our team wrote a very specific OP stack hack bounty where the goal was use this to augment... MUD, which is the game tool, the development tool that was being used for the hackathon. And that got three times as many entrants as Scaling Ethereum did. So same type of thing. So the comparisons, so E Global Lisbon had 10 times fewer compared to Scaling Ethereum, which had three times fewer compared to Autonomous Worlds. And so we're, now we're looking at what do we do for the next one, which is in Prague in two weeks if anybody's going to Prague, where we're going to try to follow that scaling ethereum that autonomous world model scope it down on a specific use case and then see who we can snipe in Prague.
0: yeah face value it just intuitively makes sense that if you have a much longer window for applications and you open it up to anybody regardless of their geographic location you're going to get more applicants you're going to get more people participating which begs the question, Maddie, I'd love to ask you, like, what do you think? What was your sense of, you know, when you had boots on the ground and in is there something that these physical hackathons can provide that the virtual ones are not able to?
1: Yes. And that ties to a very important learning we had as a team, which is and taking a step back, some advice for the audiences. Just because something sounds obvious in retrospect doesn't mean that it was obvious before or also that it was true before, where having validation for something that sounds obvious when you describe it is actually one of the most valuable things that you can have because there are all sorts of things that sound obvious that might be in conflict with one another. And the elusive obvious that I felt we proved out in Lisbon was there is nothing like sitting down with developers at their table and talking to them about what they're building. And uh, it's really different than doing it online. Like you can approximate some things online and there's some things that you can do online that you can't do in person. But sitting down with somebody and like really hearing how they're approaching a problem, not trying to sell them anything and just trying to have some fun with them while they're trying to solve it. And the connections that we built with those developers, and they're measurable because we sent the attestations for it, that is irreplaceable. And that now Benji, who I think is in the audience, is adding them to Homegrown Optimists, our private channel for builders, and seeing the activity start picking up and up and up is a direct result of those kind of hands-on conversations. And I'd say another one of my learnings was the... The booth is important. Like it is really helpful to have a home base, like a booth there, but booth conversations are different. And I noticed this when I would talk to people either before or after the table talk, the table conversations. And so the times when I was walking around the floor and I would see somebody wearing an optimism t-shirt and sit down and chat with them. And this was, this team was called cat X stands for Catastrophe X. And we had a fun conversation around the name. My hobby is naming, by the way. I love naming things. It's the copywriter background in me. But so I was talking to the Cadex team, eventual pool prize winner. Had a great conversation about what they were building, what they're trying to solve for it. Talked about the use of weather insurance for farmers and how that could apply. And then when they came to the booth later... Everybody remembered that conversation and we were able to just get right into it. So I feel really excited about that team continuing to build on optimism in a way that is subtly different than teams that we only ever saw at the booth. Now, the booth was also useful for like lead gen, for like getting people familiar with us that then we could go find on the floor or that we could follow for that we could interact with for future on the internet, on the other webs. Um, But they're different, where it's like different, I've used the word funnel a lot. That's a marketing term for people hear about you, they become aware of you, then they become committed, then they become engaged, then they return, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, they're both important. They're both different. I think the right strategy, one of the things I've changed my thinking about is I think we don't need to do more than one in-person event per quarter. And even one for the DevRel team, and even one a quarter might be a lot, where it might be like three a year is like the sweet spot there. Now, ask me next month, I might change my mind on that. (laughs) We might find a different format, but that's where it is currently. So how do we do the once a quarter in person across different team members, augment that with the virtual hackathons, and then maybe do some like one-off sponsors, like with the prog that was sprinkling around the world?
0: Awesome. Yeah, I just want to circle back real quick before we move on, because you were on a great roll there. I didn't want to interrupt, but what I heard about the in-person events is just nothing really can replace being in a room with another person or peoples, and the serendipity that can result from those kind of right. chance encounters. And also, what I heard you saying is that context is very important, right? So, mm-hmm. so how are you how are you meeting these people?
1: Yeah, and I think I have a couple things to elaborate on there where part of it gets back to the the rubik's cube metaphor and the people the room full of people rubik's cube metaphor where having everybody in a space doing the same thing is really really powerful partly because you can just say hi to anybody where if i'm at eat denver It's a little bit harder because it's a consumer focused event for me to talk to anybody because you might be there for different reasons and that's okay. It's just different. And at this Lisbon event, everybody was there, was there for the same thing. And so being that kind of shared camaraderie that is baked into it, no matter what chain you're shipping on, no matter what the thing is that you're building, we're all there for the same thing. The other one is. Something that actually reminded me of like the work from home shift. Where I love work from home. <laughs> like I am, I am an internet denizen, <laughs> getting people to like each other on the internet. That that is my jam. So work from home means I can hang out with my cats all day. I can build out my setup. I love it. But I miss walking down the hallway, seeing a person saying hi, and then hearing what they're working on. Like there just is a different kind of. Set of interactions that you can say, "Oh yeah, I meant to like chat with you about this," or you hear about something that you didn't know about before. It is not easily replaced by sending somebody a Slack message. And hackathons run into that too, where being able to like, I had a really great conversation with Lens, and so Nader on the DevRel, leading the DevRel team over there because we were both there and crossing paths, and we follow people on Twitter, had wanted to say hi for a while, we got to say hi. We had coffee. We had a great conversation about how to structure these themes and how to build things. And so, if one of us had had to do the activation energy of, "Hey, here's my Calendly, <laughs> like we'd love to catch up. It's just different. So having your portfolio built up that you can optimize for that kind of interaction over time, it, I think, is the way to go. Now, yet another thing that you had asked in that question. Can you bring me back to that?
0: I forget about that. I wanted to say something else, though, which, <laughs> yeah, is, which is that the, the, we might get there eventually with the metaverse. Maybe we, we will get closer to approximating meat space, but we're just not quite there yet.
1: Ooh, and I, of course, have, I am so excited on the future Twitter space to talk to you about the metaverse because I have opinions on it. And yeah, like, yeah. Kind of, it's gonna be it's gonna be different, but
0: yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll maybe save that rabbit hole for the next one. Mm-hmm. And fortunately we're we're planning on having you again on OP radio right in the future. So let's let's leave that for now because I, I imagine that could be quite a deep rabbit hole. How
1: about They're we talk about back. some winners?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where I was headed. So we had these different bounties. We had the the attestations, hack the OP stack, deploy to op mainnet. I think you have some great stats to share from the event. Do you want to tell us how that went?
1: Yeah. So optimism entries, and one of the things we look at is the percent of total entries. And one of my mantras is that quantity leads, or one of our team's mantras is that quantity leads to quality. Now you have to care about both. You need quality measurements and you need quantity metric measurements, but looking at which numbers you can move I like vanity metrics. I like having a large number of people that are submitting projects and are participating because that increases our serendipity factor. I think eGlobal had 650 <clears throat> hackers and they submitted about 183 projects. And of those 183 projects, 42 of them were on optimism products. I was excited about this number. That means we had about one in four of all entries were on an Optimism product. And then something that also made me excited was in the finalists. So the top 10 of the top 10 finalists. And so Eth global A thing I really like about them is while I am very competitive, they are very purposefully not about winning. Now they do have a top 10, but you'll notice they don't have a first, second, and third. So if you make it to the top 10, you're awesome. <laughs> like That's the main thing that you're shooting for. So of the ten finalists, three of those were on Optimism products. So we were one in four of all entries. We were one in three of all finalists. And I want to keep on increasing both of those numbers. So if we're overrepresented in the finalist number, that signals to me that the the pound for pound weight class thing is trending in the right direction.
0: And this yeah. goes, Maddie. This goes back to what you're saying about Optimism being the home for these just. People building on the cutting edge, these really innovative, interesting builders.
1: That's right. And uh, with the, and how that was represented in uh, the finalists. So the three finalists that were there, the interesting thing is what is impactful for the optimism community might be different for what's impactful for the wider web three community. So one of the ones who won a pool prize and also a top 10 prize was a team called credential corgi. And this is by a fellow named Trevor, um, I believe at MIT, has won some pretty heavy-duty hackathons. So Trevor, if you're listening, we're excited to reconnect. I have your info, and I need to introduce you to Benji. Also, corgis are awesome. I had a corgi when I was growing up. I had a corgi right before I moved to San Francisco. My mom took, decided to take care of the, or offered to take care of the corgi while I was uh, getting settled in the Bay Area. And they fell in love with each other. They were just perfect for each other. So mom ended up keeping the corgi and it was perfect. But anyways, credential corgi was a, a ZK proof system for medical information that used attestation station. And this is something that gets pitched often, but very few teams are actually able to like do the product and mathematical work to make it interesting, to make it work so major props to trevor for making that happen and uh, i want to key in on this for a moment because this is an example of how simply chatting with a person really matters i was sitting in a a room filled with cushions next to where you get coffee and uh, i was drinking my coffee and uh, answering email in this room full of cushions And somebody walked by and just said hello. And we started chatting. And it was a great conversation about what are you building, but also first time in Lisbon. And uh, gosh, we must have talked for 20, 30 minutes. And that person was Trevor. That's why I remember Trevor's name. That's also ultimately what got Trevor cited that as a reason that he shipped on Optimism. Because remember, this was a pool prize. It's what got him looking at Attestation Station. So those kinds of conversations in places where people aren't necessarily expecting them, because when they come by the booth, they're expecting to be sold something. It's just really, really powerful. And I am so excited that this person was represented both in the top 10 and in the pool prize. The other one, so there were two other top 10s. One was Peer Match, which is a tender for hackathon developers, not in the you should date each other at the hackathon sense, but in the how do you do team formation? This is another one that it's an interesting idea because of how often it comes up. Finding teams is clearly not a solved problem yet. And PeerMatch did it in a really interesting way that is building up identity on chain in a way that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You don't have to reinvent the dating app every time the third one was OP compressor, which actually did not submit to a pool prize because it was made by Clabby, who works for OP Labs. We wanted, didn't want to be in the OP Labs judged category, but we were really excited to see that Clabby, who's an incredible engineer, parachuted into Lisbon on day two of the hackathon with this very clear idea that. I wish I was a little more specific on what it was solving. While he was doing his presentation for the top ten, I was actually running around the venue trying to find the perfect spot for me to take a photo of him on stage. But the thing I remember really distinctly was he got a round of applause from code. It's one it's really hard to present code because you're showing like a command line or something. And gosh, I have many opinions about how to tell a great story in a presentation. Clappy did it and got a round of applause for the code that he was showing. And I am proud that that was both on and with optimism.
0: You know, the code is good when you get a round of applause for it. <laughs> I agree; That's a tall order. It's that's, that's hard to accomplish. I wanted to ask real quick, what, is, what if any, connection is there with the, the ZK Medical Records Project, Corgi, Corgi project in Corgis? Is it that corgis mm-hmm. are great medical dogs well, or think do, are you're, they, you're going for the viral factor of the, of this really cute dog?
1: I think corgis are just canonically the best dog. So if you're trying to show loyalty, if you're trying to, and also they're the most iconic dog. So if you're trying to show identity, yeah. Like why would you choose anything but a corgi?
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, it sounds like some great, projects were built and hacked together at lisbon i have some serious fomo that i missed out but hopefully i'll be able to catch another one in the future i think we're coming up to close to an hour here maddie time has absolutely flown by that's how you know you're having fun is there anything else you'd like to mention before we wind this thing down
1: let's see i want to give a shout out to a couple of projects so we talked about pure Match, we talked about credential corgi shouting out attestations echo where it's always on my radar when i talk to a bunch of developers they all express having a similar problem and then one of the entries solves that problem attestations echo and you're going to see a tweet thread of this come out i believe next week and echo takes attestation data and echoes it across different chains and this is something we had asked for by multiple teams and other people building it, and then we can just give it to people. That's how we scale. That's how we become unapproachable in terms of all of the other chains because there's just so much useful stuff happening. So they got first place for the identity contest. Kangaroo Court, also super fun. The AI is on a lot of people's minds for various reasons, and this aimed to create a court of human opinion Or, not even of opinion, but a court for humans to judge AIs in their output. And it had this really silly kangaroo theme where they, of course, used Mid Journey to show different images of kangaroos and koalas in a courtroom. But they used attestations to then put all of this stuff on chain. And we're looking at like, there's like a cool fault proof system for this. So like there, there's something really fun here. So shout out to the kangaroo court team. And on the OP stack side, we got a tool that we have really, really, really wanted and one that we didn't know that we wanted. So one was called optimistic and it is a, it's a tool for searching different OP stack chains and indexing them. So anybody that's working on super chain infrastructure, hit me up. We want it. Anything that makes brings about this superchain future into existence, we're excited about it. Optimistic got it. And then on Rupper 20 was a team that made a really stripped down version of the OP stack, where the only thing it's supposed to do is trade a native token. So it's like a layer two, but Bitcoin, where the only thing it's trying to do is handle the transfers of this token and making it much faster and more powerful because of that. And it works with different native tokens. Yeah. So those are the, those are the fun ones there. Look for the promotion next week of the winners. And then autonomous worlds just ended. So there's a lot of gaming ones that we're going to announce also. And the next hackathon is in Prague. So if you're in the area, sign up for Prague.
0: I was going, I'm going to give out the unofficial best name award. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should do this every time. At first, yeah. I thought Kangaroo Court was the clear winner. I love that. But I forgot about optimistic, and that's mm-hmm. optimistic with a Y, like a mystic, like a peer. Right. So yeah. I think those probably tie for first place in my book.
1: I am glad that there's another pun, fan. I have strong opinions about puns. I believe all puns are intended. There's no such thing as a no pun intended. And also that there are good puns and bad puns, and that one is good.
0: Well, unintended puns are just Freudian slips, right? Right. On some level, you intended it. That's right. Okay, well, everybody listening, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Maddie. This has been absolutely fascinating, and I look forward to having you and see, again. And go see ideas. So go to optimism.io slash
1: ideas if you have an idea. If there's something that it is just eating you up that has not been built yet, message me, message me, message Kelvin, message Benji. We are, there's a meme of we're putting a team together. <laughs> we are, we are gathering people who are really good at writing out ideas and also want to build them. So spam me, send me messages. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. If you weren't able to make it to uh, East Lisbon, no worries. There's, uh, I mean, pretty much there's there's a 24-7 Optimism Hackathon going on, right? Because mm-hmm. you can go to optimism.io slash ideas and you can build something. That's right. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much once again, Maddie. Uh, absolute pleasure. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, we'll see you on the internet. Stay optimistic, oh. y'all.